Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. All right, we are back with WCW 96. We apologize for such a delay in this uh, this series that we've been doing. We got caught up uh, in the G1. Also, 4th of July holiday kind of threw us a little bit. But we're going to try our best to get back on schedule. We're going to do Bash at the Beach. This week, we got Hog Wild coming up shortly. John LaRocca. Hopefully soon enough we will uh, we'll get back on schedule here. Yeah, we will. We will. We definitely will. But yeah, G one took a lot out the holiday. We were drunk. <laughs> no, but you know we, we got busy. Holidays, vacation. You know, yeah, all vacation. That, so. It's 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 summertime. It's a little harder when you got yeah. family and and kids aren't in school and everything. But kids are back in school. At least for me, first day of school is like the should be a national holiday for parents i was so excited for first day of school uh all right let's uh let, let's get started here uh the one thing i will mention is uh we don't have video for this show we've been doing we've been trying to do we actually have been very good about getting video for these shows but something's going on with uh john's wi-fi so we're gonna see if we can dig into that but yeah it, it we couldn't it wouldn't keep the the video signal which and it's actually you know for pretty much for the whole time it's it would keep the video signal for about 45 minutes. So we figured, okay, you know, we'll just split it up into two episodes. But for whatever reason this week, we can't, we can't get it to hang out for more than like 30 seconds. So that's why there's no video for this show. Okay. Let's talk about what's going on here. So we are post great American bash, really solid pay-per-view for WCW people saying it was maybe the best WCW pay-per-view of all time as the company of WCW. Uh, and so because of that, because of a lot of the good feedback from Hall and Nash power slamming Eric Bischoff, uh, off of the stage, Nitro does a giant number and smokes WWE and is the largest margin of victory up to that point. This would be the Monday after great American bash. And Dave has like a funny note in the observer in that uh, when Hall and when when Hall came out, and I don't remember exactly which time frame it was, but like they did a pretty good rating, and then it didn't really mean anything after that for a little while. And Dave said something like, "Yeah, you know, Kevin Sullivan was kind of, you know, maybe looking for a new job, and then they did this number, and he was celebrated because of it. So <laughs> it's kind of funny how the the business can work that way." Yeah. All right, so what is WWF's answer to getting beat by Nitro by the biggest margin up to uh, this point? Well, they said, uh, you know, we got this guy, Jerry McDivitt, (laughs) and they file a lawsuit and a restraining order against WCW. There are four counts to this lawsuit. This, This comes from the Wrestling Observer. 
The first is unfair competition. Uh, WCW is using false and misleading descriptions, confusing the marketplace. And a lot of that st- stems from uh, th- them not really saying that these are actually WCW signed wrestlers. They're trying to make it seem like you know, people from WWE are coming over to WCW to create this interpromotional angle. What did you think about this first count of this lawsuit? I, I, it's, it's, I mean, they have a, a point because they yeah. are kind of saying it is, you know, W, you know, they're, they're not without saying WWF, they're saying WWF, right? So, yeah. so yeah, they do have a point. Yes. I just want to, I just would love to be the judge when they get these cases with pro wrestling. <laughs> if they have no clue what pro wrestling is or other than just being like, oh, the goofy stuff on television, that's not real. Yeah. Well, if anybody knows about confusing the marketplace, it's WWF <laughs> yeah, because yeah. of 1991, right? They're trying to bring Ric Flair over as the real world's champion. Mm-hmm. And so they know better than anybody like, oh, yeah, WCW called us on our stuff and we, we couldn't use that belt anymore. So, you know, this is kind of something that they've actually dealt with themselves. So uh, pretty smart. I think this one is is the one that makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, number two, the second count, is trademark and trade dress infringement. This is all about the Razor Ramon character, the trademark. And we talked about this last episode. Razor Ramon was kind of like the diamond stud just with the with the Scarface accent. Mm-hmm. So now it's Scott Hall doing the diamond stud doing Razor Ramon, but as Scott Hall. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so the WWF is very frustrated with that as well. Though I kind of I kind of st- side with Scott here because it was his character, you know, in that small period of time that he was the Diamond Stud in in WCW. The third count is uh, the Connecticut unfair competition, citing a violation of Connecticut law by misleading descriptions. Uh, more deception, more Razor Ramon. This also has to do with WCW and their hotline and Eric Bischoff making like these flippant statements <laughs> on Nitro, uh, false rumors about impending bankruptcy of Titan Sports, and just, just you know, kind of the trash talk that Bischoff would do. So that is number three. Yeah. And the final count is defamation and libel stemming from the February 5th Nitro show when the lights go out in Lakeland, Florida, and Eric Bischoff and Steve McMichael make comments as if it was the competition that had to do something with the power going out. Mm. Bischoff actually had to apologize on the next Nitro, the next week, for that that comment because of the heat coming from that comment. And then also uh, WCW Hotline with Mark Madden and Gene Okerlund uh, sort of like you know, hinting that WWF was possibly behind this travesty or or whatever. So that's a, that's another one that where I kind of side with WWF, and you know, it's it's sort of fun in games. And the, but the thing is, is they're now beating WWF on some weeks. So Vince is like, okay, like now we got to play ball. Like we just can't yeah. let them beat us. So we got to figure out something here. So uh, also a couple other notes about this lawsuit and kind of where we stand. WWF wants WCW to make clear that they are not WWE characters. We want you to say we these people are signed by us and they are our characters. When, when was this lawsuit again filed? 
Uh, it was filed June the 20th, so before Bash at the Beach. And before Bash at the Beach, but on the Great American Bash, when um, when they, you know, before they powerbond Bischoff to the table, Bischoff specifically asked that question, are you employees of the WWF, right? Yeah. And they say no. Yes. So I'm surprised, like, that, especially that first one, they put that in when they kind of they already cleared it up on on pay per view. Well, the th- the thing about it is, uh, it's possible, uh, you know, with the timeliness of the lawsuit. So, Great American Bash was June sixteenth. The lawsuit's filed June twentieth. So maybe mm-hmm. WCW just knew this was going to be in there, and they just kind of wanted to get ahead of it. Uh, and then the last thing, last little note here is uh, the WCW officials claim that they are researching trademarks for current planned new ring names for Holland Nash. Hmm. If the if the names clear, they'll be given the names as soon as possible. If not, on the July seventh pay per view, they'll be referred to by the announcers in that match as Kevin Nash and Scott Hall. And we kind of, you know, we kind of talked about this in the last episode. Some of the the rumors were. The bad guy for Razor mm-hmm. Ramo- or for Scott Hall and Axel for Kevin Nash using their names was perfect. Yes, the Outsiders was a little. It was okay. It wasn't the best name that they could have chose, mm-hmm. but the their their real names made this thing feel like a bigger deal than if you would have given them gimmicks. Yeah, I still was hoping Scott Blade was in there, but. <laughs> And uh, what was it? I forget. Diesel was uh, God. What was that name? Steel. I think I just went back to the Master Blaster Steel. Yeah, yeah. 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 In your bookings. Yes. Uh, all right. So that is where we stand with this uh, sort of this Monday Night War, and it's getting really personal between Vince and Eric, and you know just the fact that Vince is paying attention to Eric, I'm sure, is kind of a big deal to Eric. He's like, oh wow. You know, kind of woke mm-hmm. the old man up. He's paying attention to me now. He knows my name. Here we go. And, uh, you know, for Vince, it's just like, gosh, they're, they did something that's actually really cool. And we need to figure out a way to stop this thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like we said, you know, competition is always good. Like we talked about when we're, one of the things we're excited about with AEW was hopefully it was going to light a fire with WWE. You know, and and it did. It did. Definitely. Big and, time. And, and they're definitely uh, riding a strong wave right now because of it. So um, it's uh, competition is good, you know. And when, when I, it was a sad day when they swallowed up WCW. Oh yeah, oh, but yeah. you know, it wasn't just them. It was WCW's main. They're the main culprits, of course. But so yeah. I'm going to do a show. Uh, I, I just newly branded, rebranded. Uh, to the Double G Show, my first guest, which is already on the website right now, was Lance Storm. So he's the debut episode of the Double G Show. But one of the bonus episodes that I'm going to do is we're going to look at this time frame in 1991 where we had the Survivor Series and then six days later we had this Tuesday in Texas because we haven't had a time frame like that since 1991 and AEW is about to do it again with mm-hmm. All In and All Out back to back. Uh, in back-to-back weeks, and then in, right the day before is the, the WWE Payback show. We got three pay-per-views in a matter of s- seven days. It's crazy, but um, basically, I was so I'm going back and looking at 1991 WWF, 
And, you know, wrestling fans think that, you know, AEW is just nothing but chaos and nothing but, oh, you know, CM Punk's such a bad guy. Let me tell you, the 1991 WWF, what Vince McMahon had to deal with, like all of the stuff coming from the terrible angle of him turning Sergeant Slaughter into an Iraqi sympathizer and mm-hmm. the fallout of that. So you had that. Now that is self-imposed. That's their own that's their own stupidity. But they bring in Sid and Rick. And that those are those are positives, right? Those those are big big time signings for WWF in 1991. But the Ultimate Warriors like uh hold my beer. I'm mm-hmm. about to get suspended post SummerSlam, so you can't have all the all the nice things here, Vince. And then a suburban commando comes out around this time. Now, in the summer of 1991, the Zahorian thing happens, and Hogan's name just turns into mush. He goes on Arsenio Hall and says that he's only done steroids two times in his whole life. <laughs> Everyone remembers that. And so Suburban Commando comes out. The Zahorian thing is kind of in 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 the rear view, uh, and Suburban Commando Hogan's doing press for Suburban Commando, and then he just doubles down on all those lies that kind of ruined, uh, you know, his name. Not maybe even not knowing that his name was ruined, but uh, so you have that. So you have the uh, uh, the uh, no, uh, no Saturday Night Main Event, so they lose Saturday Night Main Event. Yes. On NBC during that time frame. Like, there's like two Saturday main events in early 91, and then there's nothing until 92. They did like two Fox shows in 92. So then they do this Survivor Series in Tuesday in Texas thing, which was an experiment and not necessarily a, a great one because they wouldn't do it again. Um, and then right before the Survivor Series, Sid tears his bicep. They have this WBF fiasco on their hands where Vince is like signing these bodybuilders to guaranteed contracts. And because of the WBF, their numbers aren't great for the company and they have to lay people off. So, like, I get it. People who didn't live through a lot of the bad times in wrestling look at this time with AEW and go, oh my gosh. These people are killing the bit. No, like there's been so many terrible, <laughs> horrible years for yeah. companies. AEW is going through some growing pains for sure, and they do have to get their act together in some instances. But this is nowhere near like what the, the you know, because 1991 is essentially really when uh, pro wrestling in the United States just falls off the map and they don't really get it back until Hogan goes to WCW. And right the time that we're talking about, is mm-hmm. when wrestling becomes popular again. So yeah, yeah. I'm, I mean, I didn't realize that as a kid watching this stuff in 1991. I no, thought what? Not even because cool. I loved 1991. Yeah, I was yeah. so into it. it Same was thing crazy. in '92. Like yeah, '92. I, I was in '92. And then like they're in Wembley Stadium in SummerSlam, like in in uh, Indianapolis for WrestleMania, and you're thinking, oh, you know, wrestling's never going anywhere. They're never is going to cancel wrestling. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. All right, let's talk about uh, the third man here. So, Great American Bash, Hall and Nash, uh, they lay out Bischoff. There's this talk about the third man. On Nitro, the w- Team WCW, they they talk about Team WCW pretty early. And um, it's a Sting and Lex and Savage, and they're kind of, 
you know, they're they're brothers in in face paint. And, hate that. Uh... <laughs> I hated the like I know it was a symbolism of unity, but yeah, like yeah. Just I'm sorry, Luger and Savage, the face paint just they look, they look good like goofballs, yeah. They, yes, they, they exactly. Absolute goofballs. Yeah. Uh, so, but they still have to talk about this third person and the entire three weeks of build for Nitro until Bash of the Beach is about who this third person is going to be. So, as we said, Bischoff gets attacked at Great American Bash. He's not on TV for two weeks because they're selling this injury, which I thought was pretty fantastic, actually. Yes, as, as it should be. Probably a little, probably should have been longer. You know, probably should, you know, been a little bit longer. But no, I thought that was great. You know, like, yeah, sell it. Nowadays, like, you know, stuff happens even 10 times worse and they're just back the next week. So the Great American Bash, uh, the first Nitro after Great American Bash, Tony Schiavone has a line where he says, Hulk Hogan called from Hollywood to say that if they want a war, throw my name into it. This was before they had him locked in. So mm-hmm. the, kind of an interesting... Now, I'm sure that Bischoff was very hopeful that yeah. Hogan was going to be locked in, but everything that I've read, he wasn't exactly locked in yet. So that was, uh, you know, that was, I mean, it's 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 a harmless thing if he's not locked in because then he will eventually be on the good, uh, on the other side. But uh, I thought that was pretty, pretty clever of them to, to just remind us that there's another guy out there. I always like kind of feel that Hogan was personally like, himself knew that he would do this yeah i i i felt he like you know what but i'm gonna you know do all i can to get whatever i can out of this money you know more power by saying like i don't want to ruin my you know how the fans gonna take it my character you know go back and forth to see i mean who knows like i'm if they like well we'll increase your pay you know another five hundred thousand or something you know whatever it was you mm-hmm. know i'm sure i just because Hogan's the ultimate worker, I can't just imagine. You know, I, I I think he I think he saw the writing on the wall, especially in WCW where he was, you know, getting booed more than he was cheered. So I was I always wonder if he just kind of it was a bit of a work of him, like you know, having to just you know have the, the struggle with it of wanting to do it or not. So, um, like I said, those two the two nitros are really about like selling just how crazy this is now. June 17th, uh, they do Flair and Savage again, and Flair wins. And I know you really you really like this match. Yeah. So go, go ahead and talk about it. Oh, gosh. It's been a while since I watched it, but I just remember, like, it was just on fire. Like, it was almost like they, like, they just have so much great catch. They worked so many times. It was just, it was, like, probably one of their best matches they've ever had. And I don't think we even remember, like, a lot of people talk about it anymore, right? But it's been so much fun to kind of go back. And take a look and watch it again. I mean, they were just just one hundred percent, and the crowd was so hot. So I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. So that is uh, the big match for the Nitro after Great American Bash. Um, I thought you know the 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 Nitros were really about furthering this this angle. Uh, there was a, you know there, that was probably one of the better matches. Uh, I think on um, the, there was a heated, pretty heated match that they kind of screwed up in the in the go home one, which was the Four Horsemen versus Rock and Roll Express, Renegade and Joe Gomez. Like there was like real heat in that match, 
but good old Mongo and uh, Joe Gomez can't figure out, or no, it's Renegade can't figure out how to how to actually do this finish correctly. Yeah, Mongo, well, Mongo's know, supposed to hit the Renegade with the briefcase, and he's supposed to fall and then uh, get figure four to get pinned or whatever. But he can't like keep his balance on this top rope, and so yeah. Mongo sees him about to fall. And he chucks the briefcase at him, hoping to hit him on the way down. <laughs> and he misses. He misses him. And, you know, Mongo was a defensive tackle. He was not a quarterback. If it yeah. was Jim McMahon, I think McMahon w- would have been able to get him. But, uh, but yeah, you know, that, that was for, from a wrestling perspective, there's a Rey Mysterio and uh, Dane Malenko rematch. That was, that was pretty good. I totally forgot they wrestled. I thought it was, you know, the Gringer Gabash and then, you know, spoiler alert, they wrestled the this the nitro after yes. Bash at the Beach. I thought that was it, but I didn't realize there was this match on there as well. And it was good. It was a good match. Yeah, no, it was good. And so uh the go home nitro is really about Bischoff and WCW rallying together. Now, this was interesting because I didn't remember Bischoff being this much tough guy. However, mm. it plays into what eventually happens, right? What if, w- yeah. Where he goes with his character. But he was basically saying, you know, Hall and Nash, bring it. Like, what do I got to lose? Like, uh, we're here. Like, we're holding ground. And I was like, you really want your the guy who, you know, who's, who's the announcer to kind of be the guy who's who's putting his foot down here? It was a little weird, but I guess... You know, there were more hardcore fans watching at that point probably yeah. than ever. So they kind of knew that Bischoff was running the show as well as being the lead announcer. So that probably worked for those folks. But I just found it so weird that he's playing the toughest guy out of everybody. And it's your lead announcer on the show who got powerbombed the, uh, on the pay-per-view before. Yeah, I think he's in that role speaking for the company um, I think they, they, they call him executive producer at many times, but I, I don't know if people connected the dots of what that is. Uh, you know, he, he's the ultimate boss, but, um, but I thought it was good. Um, the stuff with Hall and Ash or the outsiders was pretty good. Other than the, I, the, the three way, we're going to talk about the three way match, triple threat or a triangle match. It was for the tag team titles, Harlem heat. Mm-hmm. Um, Steiner brothers and the champions yes. Sting and Luger and, and Hall and Ash come out and the, all the security in the building come running out and then jump in the ring and, you know, make sure they don't get in the ring and cause chaos. And that's, as that happening, uh, uh, Booker T rolls up, I think sting and wins the tag team titles. No, no one even, I think it was Lex. Oh, it was Lex. Yeah. It just happens in this far corner of the ring. And there's so many people in the ring. You can't even see it. It just falls flat. It's like, I mean, Harlem Heat must have went back. Like, God, no one gave a shit what we did right now, you know. And those belts were protected because they were on top guys. So yeah. it was kind of a, it was just a cheap way to get the belts off of those guys. Yeah, I did not like it. I did not like it. But I did like the the same episode where they all just, they started walking out Hall and Nash, right? The cars. Yes, uh, the security guards and their. Well, actually, it was uh, I think it was on the next show. Where they try to get to Bischoff, and, uh, mm. and and the security guards are there, and they're just making fun of the security guards. They're just like, "Oh, you know, we're gonna jump in our car. Like, look at our car. All all you security guards and you police officers 
you put all of your salaries together and you can't buy a car like this. Like they were like, they were like the coolest guys with these bunch of dorks. Is yeah. what it was. It was kind of funny. I like the, the African American gentleman, uh, police officer. He was my man, dude. He was like, he was, he was in it. He was like, get out of here, get going. I was like, hell yeah, man. Like if I feel like they used real cops there. Right. Yeah. And, uh, my, when Nash is getting walked out and he's yelling Attica, Attica <laughs> from uh, uh, was that Dog Day? Uh, what was that Al Pacino movie? Dog Day uh, Night or something like that? Is that what it is? Dog Day Afternoon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew it was sometime in the day. Dog Day Afternoon when he's when Pacino yells Attica, Attica. <laughs> Have you seen that movie? No, I don't think I've seen it. It's it's classic. It's fantastic. And uh, there's Nash doing that. And I didn't know at the time. Of course, I was too young to know what that was. But later on, when I was diving deep into like classic films, I remember I saw that and I'm like, oh shit, that's where you got it from. That crazy <laughs> Kevin Nash. You know, I will say the 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 gear that Kevin Nash wore, uh, you know, striped shirts tucked into the to the jeans. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like that may, maybe that was my gear like two years prior, like my last year of high school. So, so Big Kev was a, he was a little late on the fashion, but that's what people were wearing. Yeah, he just he's like he dressed like dad, right? <laughs> like he should have dressed it maybe because he didn't want to wear the leather jacket and the leather, you know, or any kind of like that. But could they give him some kind of like cool vest? And yeah. I don't know, I don't know, but it's just yeah, he looked kind of like just just just. Giant dad, Nash. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. All right, so, uh, yeah, the go-home show is about WCW banding together, and, you know, these guys are going to come to this show, and they're going to bring their third guy, and, and we'll, we'll figure out what's going on there. So back to who this third person was. So in one of the observers leading up to the show, Dave Meltzer writes, as for the identity of the third party, in the 7-7 main event, it's really a secret. Lex Luger was the original plan, but I can't see that happening because it would be almost an exact duplicate of the Steve McMichael angle, and it's too soon to do it again. If this was AEW, they'd be like, no, nope, we're going to do it. We're going to do Lex, man. We, we don't care if it's the same exact angle that we just saw on TV. We're just going to do it again. Uh, it could still happen, but I don't think it will. Bischoff, Hall, and Nash were discussing names this past week. And, and here, here's the one that Eric Bischoff is, it hangs his, his hat on here. Uh, they were discussing names this past week with Mabel as the top candidate. Crush being considered for a brief period and then dismissed, but all agreed Bret Hart would be the best candidate, and WCW even floated the idea it would be Hart on its hotline over the weekend. Uh, but Hart has turned down every offer thrown his way. Supposedly, Bischoff told Hall and Nash to trust him on this one, but admitted that if they bring in someone other than Hart, and it isn't Hart, that it will come across as a letdown. It could also be another WCW wrestler turning on the company. Okay, so let's break this one down a little bit. The Mabel thing, I'm trying to remember... 
where I heard this, where I saw this. Now, uh, one, two, three, kid, or X Pac, or uh, what, what, what was, what was his name in WCW? Um, one, two, th- uh, six, six, uh, yeah. six. What was not here yet in in, no, in WCW? September. Yeah, but if I'm remembering correctly, Dave Meltzer said even publicly that maybe it was Sean Waltman who told him about this. Mm. And Sean Waltman was like, hey, dude, like, <laughs> like, why are you throwing me under the bus? Yeah. And I'm sure Dave was probably like, uh, this was uh, like 20 years ago. <laughs> are you still, you still, you still want, want this information to, to stay? So I, I don't actually remember exactly what happened. I sort of remember that, you know, Sean Waltman being like, hey, why are you telling? But Sean wasn't even in the company. So I kind of wonder how, you know, I'm sure they're all friends and, and Sean and Dave had, had talked. So maybe that's where dave got the mabel name but he didn't say that it was gonna be mabel he just said that that was it was the top candidate if it wasn't going to be brett so this is where bischoff is just hanging his hat on the fact that dave thought it was going to be mabel you know dave dave's going to cover himself on everything unless he knows it's 100 percent certain so uh it's it's silly that bischoff because I mean, the Observer is right up on the website. Like we, anyone can go read exactly mm-hmm. what Dave wrote. So I don't know why uh, Bischoff keeps uh, hanging on this one. Okay, so I looked into this Brett thing. I, so I, I, uh, I have Brett's book, and I'm like just reading through it, guys. You know, what does Brett say about this WCW stuff? He doesn't really say much because he's just so pissed off at Shawn Michaels the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> So he said, he writes in his book, on account of Diesel and Razor's deflection to WCW, and at one point in the book, he called him uh, Razor Moan because he was just complaining the whole time. Uh, Every wrestler was being leveraged to sign a new long-term contract. There was guaranteed money, which had never been offered in the WWF before, but the contracts were one-sided and with little protection for the talent. I was glad I was leaving for a while. So this is post-WrestleMania. He 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 uh, loses to, to Shawn Michaels, and he's going away. He's going to do, I think it's like the Lonesome Dove or, or whatever he's doing. And he says, uh, my contract would expire while I was off. So they're not actually freezing contracts at this point and adding time in, dur- during 1996, leaving me in a great bargaining position if I wanted to play the WCW card. I didn't ever want to end up there, but if I could show Vince my loyalty by not going, I thought I could ride out my career in the WWF in grand style. So as Bischoff and you know is trying to get Brett, and Dave is saying that Brett is turning down all of the offers, in his own book, Brett's saying that it's really not in the cards for him. So I don't know, you know, I don't know if Brett is is downplaying some of that or if he never thought that it was all that um you know, all, all that serious or whatever, but Brett basically says that, nah, I wasn't really that interested. And I wonder, like, would he really want to... I think he wanted to stay, right? That was his goal, yeah. was this BWF guy, obviously. But and I just can't imagine him like, yeah, I want to definitely hang out with a guy I hate's best friends, you know? <laughs> well, he I know also... business is business, but still, like, he's been he's at this point at his wit's end with Sean and his antics and his buddy's antics, right? So... Why would he want to do that again over there? So he's uh, talking to Sean, uh, supposedly in, in in his own 
book, he's saying that he's talking to Sean and Sean's like, you know, he's like, your, your, your friends are leaving, you know, Hall and Nash, your, 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 your bodyguards are, are leaving. And Sean basically is like, yeah, you know, while you're gone, you know, I think I'll work against Triple H and against uh, One Two Three Kid, keep it in the family. And okay. Brett's trying to say, well, you know, what about Vader? What about Austin? Like, there's all this new, you know, this new talent who you could work against and really create some stuff. And he so he thought that that was just Sean being super insecure about mm-hmm. his friends leaving. And he's like, dang, you know, he's like, my brother works in this company, and I don't even like, you know. I don't even throw my weight around like that. So that that's where that's where Brett's mind was was uh, still you know just I I wonder if if there was no being pissed off at Sean I do wonder maybe he does think WCW is not not a bad place but he was yeah. obsessed with the Sean Michaels. He's All had right. a lot of flirtations with w, WCW. I think back in '89 too. I think mm-hmm. they were trying to get him at one point. All right, so this is uh, the week before the pay per view. Dave said the third member of the heel team won't be announced until the night of the show. Speculation is running, running rampant about who it is. I've been told that the deal was finalized last week for whomever, whomever it is. My feeling is that it's Hulk Hogan because a reader was working on the set of the movie Hogan is doing with Roddy Piper and said that Hogan told Piper he was asked to be the third guy and that he was probably going to do it. It wouldn't be a disappointment like most mystery partners turn out to be, and it would be the best thing for Hogan's career in some ways, although there's a legit risk that the heel Hulk Hogan won't have the same pay-per-view drawing power of the babyface version, and when a guy gets 25% of the cut, he'd better have an incredible drawing power or he's not worth it so i'm sure that was on his mind but in fact it turns out to be like the best thing ever for him yeah because everything just goes up so that is where we are at with the observer leading into the uh the batch of the beach now i've been telling you about the uh, guy evans book nitro and so guy evans obviously talking to bischoff bischoff was a big uh, part of the book he has some details as well Dave also has some of these details after the fact uh, in in some of the observers after the the actual uh, story. So uh, Evans writes that Bischoff went to Hogan in L.A. while he was filming Santa with Muscles. (laughs) And Hogan himself lobbied for being the third guy. He also wrote that, and this this one cracks me up, DDP lobbied. (laughs) to be the third guy because he was the only one with a connection to yes. both Razor and Diesel, Scott Hall and Kevin Nash. But Bischoff knew that uh, he didn't really, DDP himself did not mean enough at that time, so he ixnayed that one. And in the book, Dallas says that he understands uh, why, but he was still lobbying for it. And so... Uh, Kevin Sullivan, the, the the one who's been around the longest and who knows the wrestling business and wrestlers inside and out, was really scared that Hogan would agree and at the last minute change his mind, which would kill the idea and would leave them with no third guy. And so because mm-hmm. of that, Bischoff had tapped Sting as the backup plan. Now... In the Observer, Dave wrote that the actual Sting 
was the backup plan. But in this in this book, uh, Evans writes that the actual idea was the Jeff Farmer fake sting angle was what they were going to do. Um, and uh, Hogan, you know, the, the person who understands the dramatics better than anybody, according to the Nitro book. Now, I, I keep saying according to because I, now I'm sure Guy Evans did his due diligence when it comes to sourcing his stuff. But I, I just say that because Eric Bischoff is like quoted the most out of anybody in this book. Mm-hmm. So just, you know, take that for, for what it's worth. But he said that Hogan only got there an hour uh, or, or either either 30 minutes or an hour before the angle was going to take place. Yeah, but that's because they didn't want, you know. I know they didn't, they didn't want him to give it up, for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but at know, the some... same time, if you're Kevin Sullivan, you're also thinking, like, what if this guy no-shows? I'm thinking Kevin Sullivan, it wasn't his, I, wanna, I don't want to say it's his wrestling intuition. I'm so, so, not allowed to do with that, but I think he, obviously being the head booker of WCW at the time, um, he dealt with Hogan, who has creative control. So I think he's right. more worried about that. He would exercise that than just you know trying to screw people, you know, screw him or last minute just backing out because he has that. I think he knew like, shoot, his guy could just say no, and we can't say do anything about it and get upset because he has that in his contract, you know. Right, right. But he did it, and the rest is history. The rest is absolute history. Okay, so um, let's get to the pay per view. Okay. Uh, so the pay per view, I, I what did you like this show or Great American Bash better? I'm guessing you like the Bash Great American Bash a little bit better. Bash had a better flow to it than this one, but because this one had a little bit of a, a lull, but uh, overall still very entertaining. Yeah, I, I mean, back to back, some solid shows, especially after that. Uh, Terrible uncensored with that, <laughs> that crazy match. Uh, okay, so let's talk uh, Dark Show matches. Th- now, this match wasn't even on main event. Jim Powers pinned Hugh Morris in the Dark Dark match. Uh, the, the main event show, uh, the Steiners of all teams. Uh, and, and of all the, you know, against the tag team champions, they couldn't fit this thing on the pay-per-view. Rick and Scott against uh, the Harlem Heat. Yeah, this goes to a disqualification, so the Harlem Heat uh, retain here. No, you have to have uh, earthquake, no, John Tenta <laughs> and Big Boss Man with the sock with coins in the pole match. You know, oh that's my god, poor Jimmy Hart. No, <laughs> no one could actually climb that thing because they're too fat. So Jimmy Hart is the one who has to go up the pole. I, I, I actually like that part. We'll, we'll talk about. It when we get there. Okay, so uh, Colonel Parker and uh, Sherry are back, so they must have rehired Sherry around this time after she was was gone. And Colonel Parker, who who is behind sort of the the Harlem Heat stuff uh, at this point, and uh, and so Bobby Walker pinned Billy Kidman. I did not realize Billy Kidman was in WCW all the way back in this time frame. Yep, yep, they signed him. He was. Uh... Making a little bit of wave as Kid Flash on the Indies in New Jersey area, and what got him attention was that shooting star press that he did. Uh, Rock and Roll Express uh, beat Fire and Ice. What the hell, man? My team, Fire and Ice—they're already breaking them up. Yeah, I know. Scott Norton can stand Ice Train. He wanted to get out of ACP. <laughs> I, I love Dave here because. 
you know, this was back in the day when he was putting the real names in parentheses with the matches. Mm -hmm. And so it's with the Rock and Roll Express, Rick Morton. And I, I expect to read Robert Gibson, but instead it's Reuben Kane. His real name. I'm like, who's yeah. Reuben Kane? Oh, it's Robert Gibson. Uh, so, um, yeah. So I guess uh, Ricky Morton uh, pinned Norton with a backslide, and they were arguing, and they're teasing a, a split. Uh, so, yeah, my team, who was having just – firecracker matches with the Steiner brothers are now losing to the old rock and roll express on a uh, main event. And then uh, the last match before we get to the pay-per-view is, uh, Eddie Guerrero and Steve Regal. Eddie Guerrero beats him with a schoolboy. Dave was very disappointed in this match considering the caliber of who was involved. Hmm. Interesting. That's... Three minutes and 38 seconds. Oh, probably with me the time, you know, time they had. All right. This show opens with an amazing match for 1996 and an amazing match for 2023 between Rey Mysterio and Psychosis, both young luchadors. Now, uh, Mike Tanay is on the call here with Dusty and Bobby and uh, Tony Schiavone. And I was... Uh, I, I talked to Mike today, today tonight, mm-hmm. uh, before we actually did the show, because I did Wrestling Observer Radio with uh, Dave, and, and Mike today came on because they wanted to talk about their their friend, uh, uh, Koichi uh, Yoshizawa, I think is, is his name, who, who passed away recently, and somebody who you know really helped them with Japan and and just the wrestling knowledge and, and such. So... Uh, I, I just asked Mike, you know, before we even got on air, I was like, you know, Dusty Rhodes it, as an announcer during this time frame, all he's trying to do is pop Bobby and Shivani. That's like <laughs> literally what he's trying to do. It's literally what's happening on uh, AEW Dynamite today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Taz and Shivani. Uh, but when Tanay comes out, Dusty kind of straightens up a little bit, and he actually tries to call some stuff and ask questions. Yeah. And he gives them the Iron Mike nickname. And I just asked him, I was like, you know, like, why did he, like, why why did he do that? You know, when you, was it just because he respected you? And he was like, yeah, he thinks it was because, you know, it was, it was a little bit of a respect thing, but also because, you know, Mike today is kind of the new guy, right? So they're kind of testing the new guy. So it's like Dusty's like asking him questions, like keeping him, making sure he's on, you know, on his toes on some of this stuff. But I just thought it was it was interesting because Dusty, the last two shows, you know, he's goofing around. You know, it's a big bubber instead of big bubba, and you know, it's all about the plunder and uh, the you know, he's calling submission holds like funny names and stuff. And, but then when when Tanay comes on, like Dusty's like kind of interested. He's like like interested in what's going on and the history and the knowledge and and telling so, Bobby Heen to shut up when he makes some racist comments. Yeah, exactly. So so uh, so I thought that was interesting. And uh, you know, Mike obviously just a, a wealth of of knowledge for pro wrestling. So I, I really appreciate whenever I get a chance to just uh, chit chat with him. All right, let's get back to this Rey Mysterio match. So this match is really. A showcase for Ray, because and we'll we'll talk about this more on the next episode. But he's going to beat Dean for the uh, the cruiserweight title on the on the next Dynamite in a very memorable match and a memorable finish 
in that match. So this is kind of like the the match so that Mysterio gets back on the winning train and they have this really, really good explosive match. Psychosis goes for Splash Mountain off the top rope and on the way down, mm-hmm. Ray turns it into a Frankensteiner. So just uh, re- really incredible stuff. And man, you know, watching a young Ray Mysterio, holy cow, this guy's doing crazy stuff in the string. Yeah, and then watching the young Psychosis too, he was a great base, good he flyer himself awesome. too. Awesome, he was so yeah. awesome. Yeah, I, I really liked Psychosis until he held up APW for money back in. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? Fuck, what was that? Two thousand five or something like that. When he oh, went to the Bakersfield card and then looked out the wind, uh, the window, looked out the curtain and saw the crowd was really good, and he wanted more money because he was doing two dates bakersfield and we we're doing santa maria after that so so what happened I was, huh what happened they paid him oh man they yeah, paid her yeah. down to psychosis yeah, yeah. maybe yeah, they, maybe they paid him because somebody watched this match with ray mysterio and they're like you know what he was really good in this match but after he you know, held up for money he you know got ready for his match he had his bible and his or something in his gear and prayed to it I was like, oh, thanks for robbing us and praying to God. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, um, he's a businessman. He's a businessman. Yeah. um, It was, uh, but yeah, it was a good match. I I really got a kick out of Psycho. I liked his look. I liked the, he was one of my favorites of the Luchadors at the time. And that, he did that, that top rope tope where he just heads goes right into the guardrail. Maybe that's, that's his name, you know, Psychosis. He was, you know, Psycho, he would just do whatever, to put his body in line, just like the sent onto the floor. Like, holy shit! Like, why would you do that, man? Yeah. Um, but yeah, very memorable match. I remember watching this many a times back then, rewinding it and watching it. And, um, a lot of great moves. That Hurricanrana by uh, Ray on Psycho to so the floor that's been shown a million times. Oh yeah. You know, so a lot of a very very memorable for, you know, when Ray went to uh, WWE. Law that this match was highlighted and shown. All right. So, what do you, what did you think that Dave Meltzer rated this? Four and a half. Four and three quarter. Ugh. Like, yeah, I knew. I knew he would have loved this match. All right. Speaking of one, John Tenta and Big Bubber. <laughs> Bubber. See, I think Dusty got caught up in calling people what he called people in the back. <laughs> I'm sure he did. You know, like Bubber, Bubber. You know, like and it's like, dude, like, <laughs> Dusty. <laughs> you know, got to be more. But I did respect that he was trying to call the Ray and Psychosis match for serious. Now later yeah, on, yeah. He, yeah, later I mean, on he, he would not. But. He kind of knew the deal because like you don't bring in Mike Tenay to do comedy. Like you, they're bringing Mike Tenay in because they want they want him to you know sort of give the viewers like an idea of what's going on, yeah. which is. I think this might change as we go. On. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know, but yeah, but it was good to see him be serious here. Uh, okay, so. This is a Carson City silver dollar match. So there was a sock filled with coins on top of a high pole. And a little bit of a joke because we know that John Tenta is not going to be able to go up this pole. Um, Bubba pulled out some athletic tape and he taped Tenta to the ropes and he started whipping him with the belt. Uh uh, Bubba pulled out scissors and and teased cutting the hair more, and you know at this point uh, I think John he had half of the hair and then he had his whole beard shaved yeah uh, as well. And Dave writes that 
This is where, you know, Dave's getting a little PG-13 here. He says that he was scared that he was going for the pubes next. Oh, my God, Dave. Come on, Dave. Could have wow. said chest. Like, the earthquake got a lot. The earthquake is a hairy dude. You could have you could have went anywhere on, on him. Dave went pubes. Uh, and then, um, so, Tenta got the scissors, cut the rope off, gets himself loose, and he starts cutting down the pole. So he's trying to break the the straps that are holding up the pole so he could bring the pole down to him. Mm-hmm. But then Jimmy Hart starts climbing it, and Jimmy Hart's going all the way up, grabs the thing, Tenta gets it, and hits Bubba and 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 beats him for yeah. the gets the pin for 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 the wins there. So so yeah. Jimmy had to do the hard work and and then he just comes down and Tenta's the one who just takes it from him. Yeah, I mean, the the match, it was kind of hard to follow with all the action from the first match. Um, this wasn't in itself bad. I did I did enjoy the finish, and, and you know, the, the little manager climbing the pole has been done many times. It's mm-hmm. been very, very Memphis, you know, and um, I like the finish. Um, but, yeah, it was, you know, it, it's, you know, you're going like, you know, 95 on the freeway. It's hard to kind of, you know, get back into going like you know 40 on the, on the side streets you know whatever I thought this match was totally fine yeah like, it's totally it was fine completely yeah. fine yeah what do you think dave rated it he gave it a star star and a quarter mm. all right ddp against hacksaw jim duggan now this match Ugh. was built because somehow ddp lost the battle bowl ring and Jim Duggan said that I can't believe that DDP thinks I stole it. But, oh, by the way, I did find it. So I do have it. <laughs> he found it on the toilet seat. Right? Yes. Yeah. And so they have a match. And the I think it was the TV right before. Jim Duggan's like, are you calling me a thief? As he has DDP's ring right on his hand. And then he just knocks poor DDP out for stealing his ring. I was like, man, who's the baby face and who's the heel here? And uh, called him like, you know, teased him being effeminate. Yes. Because the ring finger is smaller than his. And he's not, you know, he's a weird just jewelry. <laughs> so, so. The whole the, uh, Jim Duggan's gimmick at this point is that he's, he has a, uh, a whole thing of athletic tape in his trunks. And what, he, and what he does is when, when he's about to go for the finish, the referee's kind of looking somewhere else, and he takes out this athletic tape, he wraps it around his fist, and he, does, he actually does this kind of cool thing where he swings the athletic tape around, <laughs> and uh, it's supposed to create this effect of, you know, that he's got more tape on his hand. And then he hits, uh, he hits the the guy with with the tape. So that's like the gimmick is he just punches the guy with, essentially, uh, a taped fist. But I, I the taped fist is supposed to protect Jim's hand, not make the other guy like yeah. feel more pain. But yeah. I mean, it's a it's a, it's a historically it's like kind of like a wrestling thing, like the wrestling tape fist match. We we heard about that. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you know, the, the real fist probably hurts a little bit worse, but, uh, it's, it's a great visual because you just see the tape and it looks like, you know, just, it kind of looks like a boxer, right? You, you take off the gloves and what does the boxer have? He's got like these tape thing, but the reason why a boxer tapes his fists and his fingers is so that he doesn't break his hand when he punches someone in the yep. face. So that's uh, that, but that's the gimmick here. And, uh, so DDP, He's doing his best job to just bump around for Hacksaw. 
Um, and uh, the uh, so pay uh, DDP does win with the diamond cutter, and as you can tell by the fans' reaction, the diamond cutter is actually starting to get over. You can tell by Jim Duggan getting back up to his feet pretty quickly <laughs> after and knocking him out. <laughs> <laughs> and he get having that was his little. Well, he'll let you get up. We'll let you get up and hit him with the big fist and get something. You know. Um, I hated Jim Duggan in this this time frame. Ever, actually, I hated him since. I hate a strong word, but when he beat Steve Austin quickly for yeah. the U.S. Oh, yeah. title, nineteen ninety four fall brawl, um, and I hated this whole tape fisting because it was uh, supposed to be illegal, and he the referee doesn't see him wrap it around around his fist, but he doesn't rip the tape off and throw it somewhere. He has it hanging on his hand every time he hits someone, and the yeah. ref doesn't it just. I just it drove me insane, but um, glad DDP won. What did you uh, rate it for Dave here? Dave gave one and a quarter for Tenta and Bubber. I'm going to go with one and three quarter. Yep, exactly what he gave it. Yeah. But he does say that Jim Duggan is just about the worst wrestler in the business. Well, we could agree on that. <laughs> Actually, I don't think he's that bad, but I just, his gimmick sucked. All right, double dog collar match, Nasty Boys against Public Enemy. Uh, this is the kind of match that we see on uh, AEW, like, often now, right? Like, just the, the craziness, the insanity, the chair shots, the garbage can lids. And here's what I'm going to say. Now, this is going to sound like I'm actually dissing this match, but it's actually something positive about this match. Now, the Nasty Boys... Uh, not the most athletic dudes in the world, but they're just kind of like tough guys, right? They're just big, big dudes who just like to pick on people, including one Ken Shamrock for some reason. Um, and, you know, Public Enemy, it, it, they are, you know, I, everyone remembers them. They're not the biggest guys, but they would take all these crazy bumps and and uh, do crazy stuff in their matches. The The lack of athleticism in this match, I think actually helps the match because these guys are taking crazy stuff and they're just selling it partially because, you know, some of it is probably, it's not fun, you know, landing on, on the floor to the outside all the time, but also that they're just not super athletic dudes. And when you watch these matches today, part of the problem with these crazy matches that they have is, you know, John Moxley's a pretty darn good athlete. So when he gets, you know, he gets hit with barbed wire and he's selling and then he fires up like he's just like a MMA fighter just shooting on somebody like it's like, dude, you were just dead. But that's just kind of like the style. But yeah. these guys like that wasn't the style they were selling. They were like they looked like they were in pain. They had debris <laughs> on top of their heads like it was not, you know, it wasn't a choreographed match in, in any way. It just looked like, you know, craziness. And so that that is a positive to me versus some of the stuff we see today. The stuff we see today is way better wrestled. The athleticism is way better. But at the same time, it's like, aren't you supposed to be really hurt because you just landed on glass and now you're firing up and throwing, you know, it's yeah. just, it's just the, the disbelief factor is even worse today, I think. Well, I'm glad you liked it. Uh, no, I didn't like it. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, just the difference in yeah. the style today 
we wouldn't we would see this maybe on pay-per-views we wouldn't see this on television yeah but now today we see it in like regular tv matches i just think these guys had no clue how to work this match because it's a double dog collar they probably thought well are we, how are we going to do this i don't know if the direction they got was good i don't know it just to me it was a mess the only thing i remember about this match was that rock of rock climbed up to the uh Towards the entranceway, they had this beach theme, this beach, match the beach, a beach set up. They had a lifeguard stand, and he climbed up and did like some kind of crazy senton. And I totally forgot about the table inside the ring that would not break. Oh yeah, that was. So bad. I wonder if that was a uh, kind of rib on people. They did that before Sabu, so I wonder if they did that again here. But um, yeah, to me this was a dud. But um, I think I would think Dave gave it a dud too. I would think. Core uh, star and a quarter. Whoa, what? Yes. Come on, Dave. <laughs> uh, all right. This is... Mm, I, I'm trying to think. Is this the possibly the third best match of the night, which is surprising because of uh, the the second portion uh, of the wrestler, Dean Malenko against Disco Inferno. Uh, I feel like this match was built to kind of make Disco Inferno in a way, uh, mm-hmm. to make him a, a believable uh, young wrestler. Yet, I mean, Dean was awesome in this match, but he's just beating the hell out of poor Glenn G- Gilberti. Uh, and at some point, you know, it's like the fork in the road moment for the young wrestler. He's like, do I act like a goofball or do I fight? And that was kind of the storyline is that, Disco was about to do like his dancing, and he's like, "No, I gotta win the match." <laughs> uh, and I thought it worked for the most part. I mean, you know, I it's it's kind of hard for me to watch a match in 1996 with Disco and not sort of relate it to who he is online today, <laughs> as a you know, as, as Disco Inferno still. But I I thought this was a pretty fun match. I thought Dean did a fantastic job. Uh, Disco was still a little too goofy for what they were trying to do, but overall, I thought it worked. And then, you know, finally, Dean's like, "Okay, you know, this game's over. We're putting this thing away, yeah. and this match is over." Yeah, you know, like, I mean, I always like Disco. I don't like Disco the person, but I like the Disco character. I thought he was really entertaining, especially at the time as well. Um, I, it was, but this match for me was a letdown. It was a letdown for because it will happen last show, Rey Mysterio, Dean Malenko, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then you come back with Dean Malenko versus now Disco Inferno. Um, but I always liked Disco. I think he was, he would have done better in WCW in 1994 than in 1996 because of there's so much that was going on, right? With others coming in, all these people coming in. I think he would have made a great. TV champion. I think he would have been a, a great modern version of a honky tonk man kind of guy. Um, and he would kind of have some ups and downs in his career in WCW. Like there'd be moments where I think they put him and Alex Wright together as a dancing fools. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. And that, that actually got like a cult falling, but of course WCW did nothing with it, but this match is good. I liked it. I enjoyed it. Um, you're probably right. It's probably, probably if it, you're probably right. It's probably one of the third best matches on the show, if not the fourth best match, maybe. Um, I give it, I, I give it about two and three quarter. I, I 
And I think Dave probably gave it two and a half. Dave gave it three and a quarter stars. Whoa. He, but here, here's the problem with the build, because you talked about going from Rey Mysterio and Dean to this match. Now, the way they get to this match is Disco Inferno keeps coming out during Dean Malenko matches, mm-hmm. and he's talking about his gold album, and I don't even know what the song was that he supposedly sang. I think it was actually his like, theme I think it's his theme song. Yeah. yeah, yeah uh, but, yeah. but Dean Malenko was not great in these goofy segments, right? Because he has one note, which is the stone face killer, and you got this goofball, and Dean can't really play off of this goofball, so he can't really sell for him. Like So the whole angle is like Glenn acting like an idiot and Dean just not buying it. So that, that was going to be a problem, I think, in when you actually had the match. The fans didn't really take to Dean until about the fall of this year. I think he was still they're still trying to figure this guy out. And then they I think eventually they realized his great wrestling was that's what he was about. And he ended up getting over. I think the actually the feud with uh, the program with uh Ray Mysterio actually got him over, you know, especially in the fall. All right. In in maybe the the most poorly booked match on the show, just because you have this guy having his first ever singles match. Uh, against another young wrestler in Joe Gomez, Steve McMichael, <laughs> against Joe Gomez in a match where I don't think either guy really knows what the other guy's going to do. Like, they're just kind of running into each other, and I, f- yeah. I kind of felt bad because, you know, McMichael is a, pr- a very proud athlete. He's a legitimate, great athlete, star football player. How is he not working with, uh, a a very seasoned babyface to lead him through this match. Yeah, I I agree. I I, I think I remember Ken Sullivan on the podcast talking about this, and he's like, "Yeah, in hindsight, it probably wasn't a good idea because it wasn't a good match." But you, sometimes you just got to live with the consequences consequences that you book. Um, but I think they could have done this match. What I would have done is made it a quick match where it's Steve Mongo Michael winning by a little bit of an early distraction from Deborah. Maybe for the bell rings, Deborah's up there, you know, jaw jacking with Joe Gomez. He's kind of like, you know, a little bit halfway distracted and, and Steve takes advantage and wins fairly quickly. And here's the thing I don't I don't understand. Why would they give Steve McMongo McMichael, who had a hard time doing an Irish whip or <laughs> or a shoulder tackle why would they give the fish the tombstone pile driver? Yeah. Where so much could go wrong. I know he's a strong, strong dude, but still, right? Like, yes. that's scary. That was very scary to me. And then that's what he won this match with over Joe Gomez, the tombstone yes. pile driver. Yes. And Joe Gomez, you know, got a lot bigger since his day as Alan Iron Eagle in WCW, you know, <laughs> like, and uh, filled out. And Joe Gomez wasn't bad, but he also wasn't the guy that was going to lead Steve Mongo McMichael. And also, Joe Gomez, we are introduced to Joe Gomez by him not even getting into a match because he gets beat up yeah. in the locker room. So even if there was a little bit of something here with this underdog babyface, they essentially killed it. So basically, Steve McMichael struggled with uh, a nobody. In, yeah. So that, I That's thought what that I'm saying. was negative. Mongo, for the first year or so should have been 
if he's doing singles, has to be quick matches, and long the longer matches will be will be six man tags or tags with Arn or Benoit or Flair. Mm-hmm. All right, another interesting match, and I actually liked this for the kind of the non. Uh, I don't even know what 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 non smoothness of it, which is Ric Flair against Conan. I forgot Flair won this match uh, when I was watching it. I was actually kind of surprised that he won. Mm-hmm. I didn't remember him winning, but because um, you know, I just always just assume that you know Rick's only going to hold the top belt. He's not going to hold the U.S. title. But he beats Conan. Now the the bulk of the match is, is Rick trying to do some of the stuff that Conan is actually good at. Which is which is cool because you know it's not necessarily stuff that Rick is is great at, but he's trying to help Conan so that they have like a believable match. The problem is that the timing on the interference with the women is so bad that Conan looks like the biggest goofball of all time. He's got a wait like uh, I think it's I, I don't remember if it was woman or I think it's woman. woman. She's like woman usually does a physical. She's stuff. holding her shoe for what seems like two minutes on the apron while Liz has the referee on the other side, uh-huh. and Rick and Conan do like three things before she hits Conan with the shoe. So it just made I thought just Conan you know the whole thing made Conan look like a goofball. But you know Flair, I wonder if it, Flair wins the match. I wonder if that was Liz's mistake. I wonder if she popped up too early, and when she popped up too early, women either had to go, you know, at that time was do it. So maybe she thought they would just work that way and cut things out, but it looks like they didn't cut any, a couple things out before they did that. So that, that I think that was what happened. Um, I think Liz got up too early there. Um, this match was it was good. Flair, you know, let Conan do some of his lucha stuff and you know stuff that. Flair, you know, it wasn't bad, I didn't think. You know, Flair thought did well there. But then when it was the the comeback from Conan, it was a Flair match. The typical Flair, yes. uh, uh, babyface comeback on Flair. Um, and Conan, I, he's like one of them, he's like a really bad wrestler. Yeah, he's just not good. But he was, you know, one of those guys that just, just connected. And uh, with, with, you know, the Mexican audience and... You know, he didn't really connect in WCW as a Bayface, but he ended up connecting as Cholo Conan. So mm-hmm. that worked. But uh, yeah, this match was, it was okay. You know, I think Flair should get a lot of credit for getting through it. I mean, I thought, you know, I mean, we talked to, or I talked to Conan and he was just like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know American style. So, yeah, yeah. you know, and, and I think Rick recognized that, right? He's like, okay, we need to do like the two or three things that Conan's going to do. And I, and I got to be able to do those. And then once we do those, then we'll do, you know, my style at the end to, to get, yeah. to get the finish, to get to the finish. So uh, I, I totally, I totally forgot that. I always thought this finish was women when she need him in the Conan, the balls was the finish. Mm. I always, always, for some reason, thought that forever. And then it happened. I'm like, okay, it's finished. No, they kept going for a yeah, while. Yeah, yeah. But, no, uh, he, they, he, he had to get... W- woman actually got more shots on him uh, than, than Rick did, I think, in this match. And um, Woman looked absolutely amazing. I had the biggest crush on her. Okay, you know, there's a eight. moment in... I think it is the interview before mm-hmm. this match. Mean Gene, I thought... He was like, 
he he was so into her in this interview yeah. segment and she is like the has like the biggest flirtatious come on face to him yeah. she's just sweet talking him and there's a moment where he's like you just need to stop. Yeah. <laughs> like he's just like, well, his, I need to do my job. <laughs> his wife's watching and oh man, players are inviting him. They're trying to get him to come to the hotel yeah. with them and party yeah. and women wants to party with him. And I'm just like jealous as hell, you know? And, and, like, and, you know, Liz is terrible at stuff like this, so she can't even really play it off. But woman does like women, Liz, woman does it for like every, like Liz didn't even have to do anything. Woman is yeah. doing her job too. She's, she was, she was a really good worker at this time. You know, like she really figured everything out um, by at this point. Woman's great. Liz, she just got a kick out of it. You could tell she's laughing a little bit, you know, and, but she let woman do her thing. They never had the role. Uh, but this match, I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it about the same as I did uh, Dean and Disco two three quarter. So Dave gave it two and a half. No. Okay. Yeah. That's, I, what that's about something. the McMichael match? Oh shoot! Forgot about that one. Uh, I'm gonna say dud. It was really bad. Minus oh. <laughs> a half of a star. I forgot about the minus. I just go straight to dud. <laughs> like it's either one. Hey, I, I can do quarter stars for, but then after that, it's just dud, right? Yeah. Me. Yeah. All right. So now the the two last matches here we have the Giant and Kevin Sullivan against Arn Anderson and Chris Benoit. And if uh, if Benoit and Arn win, I think one of one of them gets a title shot. Like how how did yeah. that work? Yeah. They, and they didn't say that. who, did they? I think it's whoever gets the pin on okay. Sullivan or, or the Giant. And a lot of people, they're even mentioned like Sullivan is the weak link. And, you know, they'll pin him. They can't be the Giant, but they'll at least get a top opportunity by beating Sullivan. So the the match is uh, really a backdrop for the angle. The, the Giant choke slams Arn for the win. And they're trying to do a little bit of like a work shoot thing, yeah. or at least for the fans to 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 think that something's going on here. And so, um, so at, so the uh, Benoit is in the ring, and he's just beating the hell out of Kevin Sullivan, stomping on him and stomping on him and stomping on him. And woman, who is not affiliated with either of them in storyline comes running down to the ring and is screaming for Benoit to stop hurting him. Uh, no acknowledgement was made about them being married, nor were there any hints dropped, is what Dave wrote. And then the giant carried Sullivan out on his shoulders. Yeah, so, this is yeah, this is the stuff we complain about with AW. They just think everyone knows everything. And I didn't like that they didn't never explain like women and Scott Sullivan were married at the time, but they're actually, I think splitting up the time. Right. Yeah. And then Sullivan's like eventually going to be booking his own divorce. Right. Yeah. 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 And then do you notice woman, when she came out, she's holding her stomach. So I wondered that like a pregnancy angle was going to be introduced in all this. She was like holding, not like it was like, she was holding with like almost like cradling her stomach. So I, I, I think I just, I wonder if that was uh, an early idea, like Benoit would cheat or you know sleep with her and then they're getting pregnant, her pregnant, and right, yeah. 
So th- this was before uh, Terry Runnels and uh, PMS and 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 uh, the pregnancy or the fake pregnancy that they had. Yeah. Uh, all right, main event: Sting and Randy Savage and Lex Luger versus Holland Nash. Now, since there's only two of the heels, they get Luger out of there really early so that the baby faces don't have the advantage. He gets KO'd, uh, and so they stretcher him out. And it wasn't like it didn't seem like it was a big enough deal for him to get stretched out. It didn't look like that bad of a thing. I actually thought it looked pretty good, like the way his you know, neck was hanging over that uh, the turnbuckle, and he got squished back there. You know, but I, I, I to go it... out on a stretcher though, we're talking about Lex. You got to okay, kill well, this man. I you, you would think he clutch his throat. Yeah. But maybe we were supposed to like, the way because that's his throat was literally over it, not his forehead or anything. So I don't know. Whatever. That's what they had planned, and that's what they did. And at the time I bought it, but yeah, looking back, it looks. I mean, I thought he should have been more selling his throat than he is knocked out. But still, they got and, him out. And, and you know, again, the idea is that the baby faces don't have a three on two advantage because then they will look like heels beating up the the Colin Nash. So yeah, um, so it's really just the outsiders you know, two on one and on sting. And then Savage makes the hot tag gets low blowed. And this is when Hogan comes out and Bobby Heenan gives the whole thing away, even though I don't think he knew he just, he was just like, is Hogan the the third man (laughs) as Hogan is is walking out. And so the real giveaway, and I'm sure this was what Hogan exactly wanted to do is he was so serious. Like he didn't come out, throwing the finger out and pointing to the fans. He came out super serious, which was a tell for Heenan to go, Oh, is he the third man? So I don't blame Bobby for that, for that at all. He was just reacting like you're supposed to react. Nowadays, this book today, Hogan would have came out, done his shtick, you know, high fives, sting and Randy Savage. They would turn it their back to him and he would clout him from behind. Yeah. Yeah. And this was, I remember this being like, I, I remember feeling sorry for Savage in this role mm-hmm. because knowing the history between those guys, knowing what a proud man Savage is, Savage really, you know, he he really did the job for <laughs> WCW here. Well, uh, Sam- he took he took that, he took that yeah. uh, leg drop like three times. Yeah. And he's just laying there in the ring while these guys are hemming and hawing and, and, uh, you know, then the fans start throwing stuff in the ring. Uh, Hogan does the promo uh, about, you know, up north and how he's the one who made everybody rich. And, you know, the fans are the reason why he's the third man and all this stuff. And it was really heated. And I, I was like watching him because, you know, sometimes when Hogan does serious promos, when he can't, when he's not doing the shtick, when he's not doing the same old, same old. Mm-hmm. Like he could flub some lines, like he's he he's he's done that before. But I was like, man, this dude was on it on this promo. He did such a great job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think at times I think they were a little taken back by the the crowd throwing the garbage and everything. That kind of came a thing for a very long time. You know, after um, you could tell Mean Gene was not having a good time. No, in there with the stuff flying all over the place. No, not at all. I mean, yeah. I couldn't tell like. It just looked like soft drinks and trash. Like, were there were, were there like bottles being thrown? No, I think it was just. I don't think they sold 
bottles in yeah. the arena at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's um, smart. They, did, they, they, did they cut out? They did cut out Bubba the Love Sponge trying to jump in there, right? Is that and who kick. it was? Was yeah, Bubba? that's who it is. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So it yeah. was a it was a plant. I think so. Because all all Dave wrote, <laughs> Bubber, Bubber, Bubber the loves, but all Dave wrote all all Dave wrote was during the post match a fat fan hit the ring. <laughs> I think it, it comes out that he's a local DJ there. Yeah, and maybe it was a uh, a stunt from him to get you know attention. Right. I don't know. I'm trying to remember the deal, but it was him though. Yeah. Wow. I'm pretty sure. Like, That's amazing. I'm 99% sure, but if I'm wrong next week, next time, then I'll say it. But <laughs> but uh, this was, uh, as a match, it's kind of hard to rate. I think it's more of the angle that was yeah, the five-star totally. of it. But totally. um, it was very chaotic. They sold it. The crowd was into it from the very beginning to the end. Um, crazy heat. Um, I As a match... I'll give a three and a quarter, mm-hmm. but the angle I give five. Yeah, Dave had the match at, at three. You, you, no. you and Dave were pretty close on this one. You guys are yeah. usually pretty close, anyways. Yeah, but not. Uh, I thought he was going to rate uh, Jay Uso and Roman Reigns. <laughs> I was wrong on that one, but uh, I was also a little still coming down from my buzz, so I mean, I was a little off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Our uh, our SummerSlam party. Uh, you, yeah, you, I, th- I think you're basically saying that I overserved you that that day. It was a bit stiff, you know. It was a, it wasn't it wasn't a, a Stan Hansen lariat. I but, was uh, I wasn't measuring the shots. I was just pouring. That was that yeah, was the deal. Yeah, but you know, I'm you know you know I mean, a lot of people don't know. We talk about that. Was that was our what's our segment after fight game? It's uh the extra or getting to know your podcast. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Get to know I your, have a, your, your fellow podcaster. A very strict rule. Well, not, I can't say very strict. I didn't do it this night, but I usually don't drink if I'm going to drive. Even yeah. if one, I'm not I, usually like I don't go for the. Oh, if you start now, you'll be fine by the time. Yeah, you, I just yeah. don't do that, right? Yeah. Usually, um, but I felt like okay, a four. This is probably going to be a four-hour show. There's probably gonna be some BS with all of us after the show. I should be fine. Yeah. Um, our good friend Miguel Rubio hosted the event. Yep. You know, had this big thick crust pizza. So oh, I yes. felt like Amazing. okay. I think I can do one, eat, definitely plenty enough time to be okay. And but then when I taste that first sip, I'm like, God damn, Derek, you just, <laughs> just you're like me. I I've, I'm known to give out a little bit of have a heavy pour. You know, last time Jeff Cobb was here, he he was like, oh oh. <laughs> and I I asked him too, like, do you want me? Do you want to pour? Because I'm known to have a heavy pour, but he was okay with me doing it. He's just he's know how badass that 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 Jeff Cobb is. He just said no. Oh, you want you want to? I'm like, you want a soda with it? No man, just on the rocks. There you go. That's how, that's how I, I like said, it. All right, man. I got to start following your lead and exactly, doing that. Exactly how I like it. <laughs> um. So yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, we. So you. Uh, you know that night you you were you were a little yeah a, a little more tipsy off of a, a drink than you expected while we were watching SummerSlam, but then we were doing our our our, our uh, short reviews on on the YouTube shorts after so. <laughs> You're saying that you may have been a little influenced with those yeah. YouTube shorts. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I thought the Roman Reigns and the Abrams match was better. Than it was, <laughs> but I think because, but it might have been I just enjoyed our conversation while it was happening. So yeah. maybe I just liked to, to yeah. do that. So totally, totally. 
All right. Uh, so we're done here. But like I said, we're going to try and turn around Hogwild uh, a little bit more quickly than, than the last time. I know, you know, and, and look, we got to get to all of this stuff by the end of the year because then it's the end of the year. So we're going to hustle. <laughs> and then and, we're covering Paul Aberstein, Rubenstein's uh, AWF. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about like, you know, it is already August. Like we, st- we have to start thinking about what we're going to do for 2024. All right. We're not gonna do that one, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, look, maybe uh, maybe the ex- maybe we'll go extreme. Maybe you ever watched Extreme Championship Wrestling? Oh my god, I, I think I've year. watched one. I've li- I've watched like two episodes of their TV show ever in my life. I don't know why I was thinking about this like three weeks ago, but I was like, you know what? When maybe I'll for taking a podcast next year cover the last year of ECW. You know? Oh wow. I thought about doing that because I was kind of curious, like, whatever happened to, what, what happened during that year? I totally mm-hmm. don't really remember too much. Other is than the it, is that stuff available? Is it on the network? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. All that stuff's on the network. Well, yeah, so, you know, this show has, has always been on the Patreon, but uh, your show, Take It Home, and my show, Fight Game Pod Extra, we, we kind of took that out of the weekly rotation and I think we're just going to kind of use it as fill-in and bonus show stuff on the on the Patreon. So I, I did my first show because I was substituting for Scott Edwards, who did a show earlier in the week. So I was filling in his Friday slot, the one I did with Lance. But we're we're, we're going to figure out some uh, some bonus possibilities for you because I know there was a uh, one person who signed up for the Patreon. It's like, hey, where's Take It Home? I was like, oh, <laughs> Take It Home. Uh, it's going to be a bonus show. We're not. We, it's not currently in the the every you know. Monday through Friday rotation, but we're going to get, we'll hopefully do some bonus stuff. So you got to think about what you want to do for a bonus show. We can, you know, we can do topical stuff. Like I don't mind, you know, jumping on with you if you want to do some like topical stuff or you Mm -hmm. you can, you can, you can do the, the solo ones as you've, you've been, but we'll, we'll get some stuff out on take it home as well for bonus shows. We should, I should have called you up. So we're going to do a quick one right now after I watch this hangman Adam page promo on dynamite. I'm so (laughs) pissed off right now. (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah i was uh yeah i i've been privy to you know just no no i don't know if you've read dave's lead story yet but it's really excellent as far as covering this whole cm punk thing from mm-hmm. uh from all ends but yeah punk is a he, he he's he's a big topic man he, that <laughs> that guy just you know goes you know says anything and he's like the topic of conversation so. yeah yeah all right you and I, we will uh, be back on this show sooner than later. Hopefully within, you know, minimum three weeks. Uh, we'll, we'll see if we can actually get it done sooner than that. But Hogwild's next show. And uh, then, you know, we're, we're, we're halfway through this year, which has been a fascinating rewatch. So for John LaRocca, I am Double G. We will see you when we see you. Peace out. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.